Hello, Yogi. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko, and on this show, we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. Welcome again, Sham. Happy to have you here. Thank you, Aiko. I'm happy to be here. So, we just enter to these middle six chapters of the Bhagavad Gita, which are very unique in their own and they have their own meanings and we're kind of going we're touching some very deep topics so would you like just to give a recap of the last two chapters since we enter into this middle part of the Bhagavad Gita and explain the meaning of and yes just a small recap yeah, so, so to be brief, I can say that the seventh chapter was speaking a lot about the components of the universe and how uh, Krishna is explaining that he, those are his energies. And uh, then the seventh chapter ended with uh, Krishna saying that if, if someone can kind of start to sense this, that the universe is, um, is Krishna's energy, then uh, they will also be able to feel that at the time of death, which is a very critical uh, time and, and, a, and a very difficult time. We spoke about, you know, how temples are built so that, you, you know, like temples, churches, mosques, and so on, they are there, even though the whole universe is in a sense a temple, we may not be able to remember that. So we, we go into a temple to kind of get that focus but then the point is to try to bring that with you when you go out of the temple also. And then uh, the eighth chapter goes goes more into the time of death and kind of how the kind of collected, the kind of sum of, of your emotional development throughout life, it comes to its, um, it's sort of tested at the time of death. Like at the time of death, you will see kind of where where you're at really. So if you have learned to carry the temple with you, and in that sense also like being a temple of your own, then you will you will feel Krishna's presence at the time of death, meaning God's presence. Like we don't have to call it Krishna specifically, but like a a spiritual presence. Hmm. So, what we're entering by speaking in in the six middle chapters what's about what's the difference between the first six and now the second six so the first six are focusing more on the self like yourself you who you are really like the what's in sanskrit is called the atma and uh, the atma is is defined in the ancient text as uh, the referent to the pronoun i so that means like you can't really put a word on it, but that which you're pointing to when you say the word I, uh, that is the self. And um, the first six chapters is focusing on that, uh, kind of talking about uh, what you are and how that's amazing. And then when it goes over in the middle six chapters, it's talking about your source and how you can connect with your source. Mm. Wonderful. So let's dive in into chapter 9. Yes. Yeah, so this chapter is called uh, The Yoga of Hidden Treasure. Mm. 
Krishna begins by telling Arjuna that because he is free of envy, he will tell him a secret. So it means that this is for people who are free of envy. So that's a tall order. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's, um, it's very deeply rooted in us. Uh, like in the actually not rooted in us, not not rooted in the self, but it's deeply rooted in the covering of the self. You can say that we are we are covered by by envy. Mm. And how we uncover from envy then? <laughs> yeah, that that is to you know to like in a, in a sense because like it's understandable that we are covered by envy, but it's. Uh, the very root is, is ignorance so it's not that we are kind of evil by nature or anything but we are we are ignorant of our true self which if we were aware of our true self we, would, we wouldn't have any issues because in ourselves we are we are complete we are we are eternally existing and like there is nothing to fear since we are not aware of that then we we believe that we need to kind of watch out and get ahead of others and compete and and all these things. Yeah, it can be also something emotional. Like maybe in your childhood, your parents were not giving enough attention, then you're seeking for this attention from outsider people, maybe your co-workers or friends. Yes, yes. Like this is how it kind of plays out practically in our lives. Like... We like we are a pure soul, and we we are covered by ignorance. And then, in that realm, we have issues like that, like childhood issues um, and, and traumas and everything. It's like you have so many layers of illusion. You can say, like also, we can even add on top of that. We can go into a virtual reality, like people who are kind of live their whole life in video games. That's like another layer. Mm. So it's like. Someone could say, "Hey, like you should like get out of that virtual reality and kind of wake up to the real reality," and then you come to the what we call the real reality. But then even from that, you have to wake up like a further level, <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, because you are not that either. Like you, you are not that. Like those activities, yeah, issues and things yeah. from from this life. It's it's just like another like layer on top of you. So what's Krishna is saying here in this chapter? Yes, so so this chapter is, it is actually a, a little bit of a catch twenty two because it is saying you know, like I'm I'm telling you this because you are free from envy. And there he's kind of giving the cure for envy, which is to, you know, to acknowledge reality and acknowledge God, acknowledge others for who they truly are and and so on like he's uh describing bhakti here as like in a very practical way like to bow down to say prayers can you explain what is bhakti for those who don't know so very simply it's devotion but specifically it's devotion to your source to to devote yourself to your source to bhakti yoga yeah Mm. yes yeah, so it's to, like the practical way, like I said, he's he's putting it, Krishna here, is, is to, he's saying to offer pranam, it's called, it's, it's like when yogis say namaste, that's that's like a form of pranam, it's like you, it's like I, 
I see you and and respect you and acknowledge you for what, what you are and not just for what you mean to me but like what you truly are in, in your own self and it's both to other people and to God in this chapter like like we spoke about in the seventh chapter how Krishna says that everything are, all the things are his energies he goes more into that and he just kind of makes sure that that you're not that you can't catch him by by any like I say you, you can't like conquer him in the way that you materially conquer things you know like by by like defeating or exploiting excavating exploring like you need to fold your hands sort of and, and let himself re reveal himself to you like um it's like like a cat you know like if you want to try to cuddle with a cat he'll just go away but but if you if you just stay there, you know, <laughs> he may come to you, you know. Yeah, you know, eventually. Yeah, you know, this the thing like, uh, the cat will come to you. you yeah. know, it's, it's like kind of like that principle. So the way he, he's kind of making sure that you can't catch him by ordinary means is, is to like, he, he kind of talks about how he is in, in everything, but he is not in everything. <laughs> he says things, things like that so that you don't like fall into the idea that, that you can catch him sort of so to speak he can allow himself to be caught if he wants to but like you have to understand that it's on his terms but for someone who for someone who really you can say becomes enlightened in how god is is in everything and 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 permeates everything and who becomes fully surrendered to him he will take care of all all of their necessities and uh, and that's a very deep level of trust. Mm. It's uh, that's not. Um, God will provide. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, and there is a story about uh, that verse that, that says that uh, because he Krishna says in the verse that for those who are completely devoted to him like who understand that it's really just to understand that there is really nothing else to be devoted to since he is in everything mm -hmm. so for those who acknowledge that and and devote themselves to him uh, he takes care of all of their needs and um, in the sanskrit it says vahami aham, vahami aham and it means i personally carry it to them kind of like a servant sort of so, th so there is a funny story about that verse that there was a, an old scholar in India. So he was sitting with the, the Bhagavad Gita manuscript and he came to that verse. And since it said Vahamiyaham, he was thinking that, well, that can't really be true. That, that God is, is personally like bringing me to things like a servant. What I think he, the word is supposed to be here is karumiyaham which means like krishna makes sure that it's done like a god some, somehow provides like he you know he sends someone or he sends something but not that he comes by himself like that so he crosses out that word and he puts he writes karumiyaham uh, over it and then he goes out to um, to beg because he was um, like the culture is that the I said scholar like I meant Brahmin 
like they are kind of like priests and scholars and they live on begging alms from others they perform rit rituals for others and they may get some donation for that but they don't have like a, a job in the normal sense so he went out to do his kind of round of begging like you may have seen like pictures of monks they go with their bowls you know and they see what they get for the day and that day he didn't get anything so he was he accepted that okay god <laughs> it's up to god <laughs> but when he came back home there was full of things baskets full of vegetables and grains and and uh, milk products and so he, he asked his wife like who brought all this and and the wife said there was a boy here he he said that that you had scratched him on the forehead because he had a like a, a scratch over his forehead so the brahmin was was very confused like what is this <laughs> like i never I, I didn't see any boy like and i for sure haven't scratched him <laughs> scratched any boy <laughs> so then he so he went to check his bhagavad gita manuscript again and then he saw that uh, someone had scratched over the new word that he put and again put back the old word vahamiaham instead of karomiaham like i personally carry the things to those who are surrendered to me so so the boy the boy was was god himself he came came to his to provide and to prove him wrong <laughs> and um this is typ typical when we hear stories about uh, about god he he does he appears in a way that that like you don't realize that it's him until until afterwards beautiful story so i have a question like how this connects with the envy part we talk about at the beginning of the this chapter so how this connects to envy is like krishna said he he will tell tell these secrets to people who don't have envy but but the thing is that these are the kind of things you need to acknowledge to get free from envy <laughs> so it's i think krishna is aware that also people with envy are reading mm. the book maybe like in the beginning like those who are free of envy are qualified to hear this thing you may think okay i have envy but i still i still want to hear this and maybe that will like motivate you to get to get free of of envy and you you will be able to hear those things on a deeper level yeah but i don't think it's that easy to get free from envy sometimes it's just so rooted that you can't you can't really just think i don't want to be just to give an example maybe uh two brothers like one was the favorite of the mother and the mother was always super extra nice to this brother and the other one probably just developed some envy inside of him and when he or she grow grow up like it, it's just rooted in him he can't help himself so what are your suggestions to to overcome envy yeah like this this will happen this will have to happen gradually because like you said it is deeply rooted and it is going to to be there for almost until you're like have come to the like the end of your spiritual practice basically like when you're at perfection because yeah. because in a sense it is it is envy that keeps you in mundane conditioning of course the first step is to acknowledge it and that you don't want to have it and then it's it has, it's going to have to be very gradual from there like you you will have to 
I say you will have to kind of see what's the opposite of envy and and engage in that, even if it's maybe like a bit difficult in the beginning, you know, to kind of try to see good qualities in others. Like what's the opposite of envy? I would say maybe compassion. The way I think of envy is to kind of want... want Something that someone else has. No, more to want bad for others, to, to not want others to have something good. Like like oh, je- like jeal- yeah like jealousy is usually like like to want simply want something that others have that doesn't mean anything bad towards them necessarily but envy is more like when you have this toxic like that you like I can't have it so I don't want them to have it either and and uh, oh no that. now I see that's very very sad actually yeah and when you can see that then like naturally like like when you can see how sad that is mm. that will kind of motivate you also to to go in the other direction mm. it's it's uh, like yeah so it's it's by introspection it's about simply like practicing compassion you know so what's the hidden treasure that krishna is giving in this yoga of hidden treasure in this chapter it it, it is actually bhakti Bhakti yoga. Yeah, in this in this way, like specifically in in those um, those ways that that I I mentioned earlier, like to to bow down to God, to devotion and faith to God. Yeah, yes. So the the secret is, or the hidden treasure is, um, is this verse here, uh, the last verse of the ninth chapter. Manmana bhava mad bhakto madhyaji mam namaskuru mam evaishyasi yuktaevam atmanam matparayana. It's to to think of God. It's it's an invitation. It's an empowerment. It's it's God saying, "Think of me." And if God says, "Think of me," and yeah, that means He is empowering you to think of Him. If, so that that's also why it's you can see like Krishna first says. If you're free of envy, since you are free of envy, I will tell you this, he says to Arjuna. So you can see that like there is a warning there, like like this might sting, you know. Mm. Uh, not everyone wants to think of God or like acknowledge God, but but it's a very empowering thing to do. And you go there through bhakti yoga. Yeah, like that is that is part of bhakti yoga it's, uh, mm. itself. That is one kind of way into the world of bhakti, is to simply think of God, just remember him. Beautiful, and um, so what? What will come next? So next is the uh, the tenth chapter. In there, we have the four core verses of the Bhagavad Gita. They're called the Chatushloki. Is the a group of four verses that are giving the essence of the Bhagavad Gita. Wonderful. Looking forward for that talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you. If you like it, feel free to share it, give a review or a rating, subscribe. And if you have any questions, please get in touch at aikoyogareiki.com. Namaste.